The following is a message given by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. Good morning, Grace Family Church. What a privilege and joy it is to share God's words with you. All right, so kindly open your Bibles and turn to Romans 10 verses 14 to 15 or locate it on your devices I know many of you are probably using your phones my sermon today is titled gospel driven evangelism it is the beginning of a three part I'd say mini series on evangelism so let's look at God's words and listen attentively to what his spirit is saying so we can be transformed by his gospel and seek to share it with others so romans 10 14 through to 15. how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know, if we were to consider some of the most popular songs today or in the past, it wouldn't be difficult to find that it was about love. For instance, Adore You by our styles or all of me by john legend um i do anything for love but i won't do that performed by meatloaf come on come on <laughs> my mom my mom and my sister are here they're tra they, they came in last week i'm so happy to see them and you realize my twin brother is here as well so my seem like my whole family are here thanks for being here but mom one of the songs here is endless love by lionel richie which was recorded with diana ross i know you would appreciate that but you know, as we think about these five songs alone, one of the things we would recognize is they, they present a multifaceted view of love. It is portrayed as a deep sense of you know, admiration and acceptance. Love expresses a strong desire to cherish and support the, the person who is loved. It emphasizes the totality of love, conveying how it embraces all aspects of a person. So as I'm saying this, I want you to think about the song, because this is all of me I'm talking about here, um, including their flaws and imperfections. Love is a powerful force that compels us to make grand gestures and sacrifices. Say, so I do every, uh, everything for love, but I won't do that. That's what's going on here. Um, yet it also maintains certain... Boundaries and the enduring nature of love persists through time and remains steadfast despite changing circumstances. So, so these songs, these five songs that I just gave you, they collectively suggest that love is an amalgamation of admiration and acceptance and sacrifice and endurance and commitment, always maintaining its essence amidst its varying expressions 
You know, I, I find this to be fascinating that we can learn so much about love from five mainstream secular songs. You know, now, my thing this morning is if love for a fallible person could be so powerful, the question which I have is how much more should our love for Christ and what he has done for us be demonstrated? And in this respect, I'm sure you guys know where I'm going, I'm speaking about evangelism. Now, there are many examples in the Bibles of individuals demonstrating their love for the gospel of Jesus Christ through their actions. I'm sure right away many of you are thinking about the disciples or the apostles. You know, after Jesus' ascension, the, the disciples dedicated their lives to spreading the message of the gospel despite facing significant persecution. For example, Peter and John were arrested for preaching about Jesus' resurrection. We see that in Acts 4. Yet they continued to spread the gospel even after their release. The Apostle Paul, you know, before his conversion, Paul, then known as Saul, was what? A persecutor of Christians. Yet, after his encounter with the risen Christ, he became one of the most passionate advocates for the gospel, spreading Christianity throughout the Roman Empire, despite numerous imprisonments and hardships. We see that in Acts 9. Stephen, one of the first deacons of the Christian church, he professed his faith and preached the gospel even when he was faced with death and, 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 and being stoned. And we see that what? In Acts 7. Imagine. You know, these examples show that the love for the gospel of Jesus Christ led people to share the message with others, make personal sacrifices, and even lay down their lives for the sake of the faith. And, you know, this is what I want to bring out, that, you know, the love Funny enough, the love that, that we heard in those five songs this morning, described in these songs, you know, while they are, I'd say, profound, they should be considered incomparable to the love we should have for Christ and the gospel. You know, the point I'd like to highlight here is that we need a gospel-driven evangelism to sustain the Great Commission that we have been given by Jesus Christ to make disciples amid, and I want you to hear this, amid all the challenges we are faced with daily. In this vein, it is the love of God, his gospel truths, as Joel mentioned earlier, and our, dis if you want to say, uh, discipline to obey that will sustain us in this work. In fact, I believe the big picture that I will present in, in this message this morning is that, look, our God, who loved us and made all things possible for salvation through the gospel, compels us. See, I love that word. Just picture that word. Compels us to share it so others would believe. It's somewhat ironic, though, that I felt the need to prefix you know, evangelism with gospel driven 
After all, evangelism itself originates from the Greek word euangelion, which signifies the gospel or good news. More, more specifically, its root is derived from a Greek verb meaning to announce good news. This is precisely why evangelism refers to the act of sharing or proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ's life, his death, and resurrection, which offers salvation to those who believe. For the purpose of this sermon, let's admit that, listen, sometimes we share the gospel out of duty or discipline. Occasionally we need, I don't know why I say occasionally, because I think often, but anyway, often we need a reminder of what God has done for us. In other words, the true meaning of the gospel to motivate our evangelism. You know, while scholars might view my title, Gospel Driven Evangelism, as redundant, I want to reconnect with how God's past work influences our work today and in the future. So allow me to reiterate our God who loved us. Just think about this. Our God who loved us and made all things. That sounds good. He made all things possible for salvation through the gospel compels us to share it so others would believe. You know, in this text, I want to address two main points that the Apostle Paul covers. They are, one, we have an inexcusable, boy, I love that word. We now have no excuse, as we say in Jamaica, no excuse. No excuse. But we need to what? We need to evangelize. That's our responsibility. That's our duty. And I'll actually, um, that's what I'm going to be spending most of my time. So if you look, I'll be um, dealing with verse 14 through to the first part of 15. So it's 14 to 15a. And then the second point, simply, we bring blessings when we evangelize, which is just 15b. So let's start with main point number one. We have an inexcusable duty to evangelize. All right, so in verse 14, and I want you guys, listen, this is just two verses. We're not going all over the place this morning, right? So please, just look on your phone or look at your Bible. I want you to check with me this morning, all right? It's, it's simple, two verses. It can't be hard, right? The Apostle Paul begins with how. So we're going to go into the English now. When you hear somebody talk about how, they're introducing a question. In, not all the times, because in verse 15, he uses how, and it's not necessarily, it's more a statement. But in this respect, how is introducing a question. And what it is, he, the Apostle Paul is trying to let us think of in what way or manner, or by what means will they do something. In fact, in our two verses, he uses the word how five times. While the first four of, of these are, if you want to call it a series of rhetorical questions. Um, so, now that I've kind of laid the foundation about the how, let's, let's see if we can figure out what's going on. So, look, again, look at your text. 
You realize he says, how then? So right after he begins with how, he follows with the word then. Now normally when somebody says how then, 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 there, then therefore means we have to look at all that was said before. I will have to therefore connect what was said before with what he is now going to say. That makes sense? All right. As I said, I know, it's, I know this is not an English class, but I just want you guys to check with me, right? So, we need to treat what he was talking right before about calling, and we need to figure out how, that, how does that work with what he's saying in verse 14. So let me just tell you clearly what I believe he's saying. Therefore, he wants us first to think about how the people, the lost, will call on him in whom they have not believed. Meaning, how will they call on Jesus to save them when they don't believe in him? So, so there's a responsibility then that the unsaved have in their salvation. They have a, there's a responsibility they have to do what? To call, at least. Secondly, how are they to believe, so that we're going to the second how now, how are they to believe in Jesus Christ when they have never heard of him? Thirdly, how are they to hear of Jesus without someone preaching his gospel to them? And then the fourth how is, how can they, again, the lost, receive a preacher, an evangelist, you know, someone to share with them unless that preacher, that evangelist, or that someone was sent in the first place. So it's a very simple, it's logical, it makes sense, right? But as we follow the logic of this, it should lead for us to say, but all right, so it seems then that the original audience would, would come to a place to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. For me to believe, I need to hear. And to hear, I need to have someone preach. And for someone to preach, I need them to be sent. But guess what? Based on Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission, where Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. Boy, that sound, that's an operative word there. Go. Does that sound like somebody saying it already? Go, therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. You know, I, I, th I think it should be clear that all believers, just based on this one passage, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all believers in Christ have been sent. Boy, I don't know. I always find it fascinating when I hear people praying and fasting 40 days and 80 days for, for the Lord to send them. Um, why? He has sent you already. Why are you praying and fasting for him to send you? I don't know. Maybe you guys can explain. Moreover, we're not just required, as Joel mentioned, to evangelize. But we, may, we must make disciples. So you see all this thing about converts? That, mm -mm, miss it. We are called in this scripture to make disciples. So you know what? I'm going to address discipleship later in this message. But I want us to, to focus, keep the focus, keep the focus on these four questions, right? 
So the, the Apostle Paul, the wind, all right, let me put this here to kind of keep this down. All right, all right. So the Apostle Paul asking those four questions about whether, whether they can call on the name of the Lord. Seems like he's suggesting, is it, pos is it really possible for the Israelites. Now in the context, it was the Israelites. But there is a broader sense which the Apostle Paul has in mind here. And I would say it's everyone. So the question is, is it possible for people to call upon the name of the Lord? Now, we know from the Bible and from church history that, listen, every condition except one has been met. Meaning, people for the most part only need what they only need faith to call on the name of the lord and be saved yeah our text does you know it it, it does demonstrate the importance and the necessity of evangelism and so we as believers again let me say it again we're not no excuse no excuse uh, whatever you want tell me you're not no excuse not to share the gospels you know, when I think about it, many people I know heard the gospel many times before they believed it. Well, for some, it was after the first time. Well, kudos to you. Similar to the Israelites, which the Apostle Paul calls, in our chapter, verse 21, you know what him call them? A disobedient and contrary people. My gosh, that doesn't sound good. But that was probably most of our experiences. I mean, I'd certainly say that, that was me. A disobedient and contrary people. <laughs> you know, if, if we think about it, we just, we want to live our lives. I wonder, I want, and by living our lives, we mean we don't want God to tell us how to live our life. Well, so basically, we live in rebellion. That's just how the thing is if we're honest. No. For us to evangelize, it, it shouldn't be rocket science then that we should seek to have a good grasp. Remember what we just read in Matthew 28. If Jesus says, listen, you must teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, then it, it would suggest that you need to have a good grasp of the gospel. That makes sense? No, I know people are saying, Shalom, but you're kind of making me wonder if then I should be sharing because what if I don't have a good grasp? It's all right, we'll soon come to that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. Sheldon, you're, making it, you're not making it any easier. Cause I don't know if I can answer people when I'm at. Okay, we're getting there. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Boy, man, I must say, you know, I, I, I apologize on behalf of the church, because sometimes I do think we're, we try to give answers, but why sometimes it not really looks so gentle and so respectful. I've seen it over the years. However, see here I know, you're going to sit, boy, shall I him rough? However, if you don't have a good grasp, it doesn't mean we can't share the gospel, all right? Why want you show me in a scripture where it's that, all right? So I'm going to give you several options. Okay, no excuse this morning. Alright? So, 
you can ask them if you know would you like me to invite you to this to to church and you're going to say but we don't see that in the scripture so all right well let's see here when jesus met the samaritan woman at well and after the account the her first encounter with jesus what she did she go back to the town and she said what come see a man so guess what all when you don't know what to say you can say listen come see a man him named joel babe <laughs> I'm just I'm just playing. But you guys get the point. You get the point. We don't have an excuse. Come see a man, see Matt right there. The point what I'm saying is the point what I'm saying is we have brothers and sisters in the Lord who have a good grasp of the gospel. And if you need help, just just bring them matter of fact, my second point is you could even Bring them along when you're going to evangelize. So you're a new believer. You said, Joel, you know, I have a co-worker and I want to know, I want them to know about the Lord. Would you be willing to come with me? No excuse. Mmm, what's a man like this? Alright? No, and guess what? You actually learn, you actually learn while you see Joel evangelizing or Sean or whoever. You're learning, you're hearing how they're um, articulating the gospel and so forth, right? No. And this is an easy one. You could say to them, I'll get back to you on the questions. You know, I, I myself, I'm just learning about this wonderful good news that I'm sharing with you. So even if you don't have a Joel or a Matt or whatever, you can say, you know what? I researched that. I must say, I, I'm, a, I'm a new believer. I'll get back to you. But I promise you, I, I will get back to you. And people like that because that's you're, you're being authentic. You don't have to behave like, oh, we know everything. No, you just see it. Just hold the corners. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? But obviously, one of the things I want us to think about is that we need to think about our context. We need to about our, think about our context when we're having these conversations. You know, we need to think about our love for God. We need to think about the gospel. We need to think about... You know, a love for the lost. Because listen, if it isn't the love for God and the love for gospel truth or the love for the lost, um, while we're evangelizing, then I, then I have, I have to ask, what's your motivation? You know what I mean? So, but I know some people say, Shell, and I hear what you're saying, but evangelism is just not my thing. When I want to evangelize, me just free it. So all right, so let's deal with that. So we need to we need to face our fears, and and here are some ways we can tackle that. No, uh, there's the fear of rejection. No, nobody joins the line and say, "Today I just want to be rejected." So, you know, obviously, obviously, that's always going to be a possibility. You know, people may ridicule you, they may ostracize you. You know, you may have a negative reaction to what we're trying to share with them, right? However, you have to remind yourself that, listen, Jesus was ridiculed and rejected. And you know what? You know what the apostles said? They rejoiced. I, 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 there, there are about six passages that come to mind. But let me just share just one of, you, one of them with you this morning. If you jump in 1 Peter 4, chapter 13, it says they rejoice insofar as 
as they were able to share in God's suffering. Hmm. So you know what? If somebody rejects you, just say, listen, you know, they rejected Christ. It's okay. Right now, I am, I am, I am reflecting my Savior. Wow. Perspective. You know, also I know that, you know, I mentioned earlier that some people might feel like they don't know enough about their faith or, or their Bible to share effectively the gospel. You know, they may be worrying that, I, I think I'm getting the facts wrong or, you know, I, I don't think I can answer those difficult questions. Well, I already gave you those answers to those three. So let me jump in, which is something I, I, Sarah and I used to see when we were in the mission field. We'd have the extroverts and the introverts. And it was always fascinating because um, what I used to do is, is put the introverts up front. And they were like, why would you do that? And I was like, I know. Because the extroverts will always be talking. And then you will never get a chance to talk. Um, so they, it was the first time the extroverts were like, whoa, I'm, I need to be quiet. And the first introverts were like, I need to be proactive. And it worked wonders. Anyway, I don't know where that came from, but I, just <laughs> I was just remembering the missions field when I used to do that. But, but, um, but let me talk about confidence. What, what I found interesting is even when you are very knowledgeable, about the Bible. Sometimes, just because of how you are, again, as I say, it could be you're introverted, it, it could be you're just a person who generally lacks confidence. Um, and sometimes you, just, you, you know, you're thinking about, man, I have to go up to a person and I'm going to have to try to segue into just you know, asking them questions and somehow get the gospel in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so here are three simple ways. I, 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 again, I'm, I'm not really trying to get into methodology this morning because I'm more laying a foundation. But I just want to say how simply you could do these things like this. You know, you could, you could, and Joel and us were talking about these on, on Thursday, and Joel was saying, you know, these are some stuff that I do. And I thought it was really helpful. So I said, oh, you know, I'm going to use that. Um, and he was saying, you know, you could just simply ask them, hey, what, what do you do on weekends? And have them talk about that. No, if the person is polite enough, waiting them with you. What did you do on your weekend? I was at church on Sunday. God showed up. Like, it can't get any easier than that. <laughs> right? Okay. You, you know, you could be at work, you could be at school, and you, you know, you see somebody and you say, you know, I've, I've been noticing that you're excelling in these areas. And listen, people love when you say those things, you know, you know, let's try the ego and all that. And, and, and you're being honest, you know, you're being honest. They are excelling in those areas. And you are being, you know, you're listening, actively listening. And then you say to them, you know, what, what is that? And in your mind, you already know his common grace, his God's kindness to them. And you're thinking, you know, his, you know, his God is at work in your life. And they may say yes. And they say yes. You know, when you when you reflect excellence, you're reflecting God. Easy. Easy way to segue. You know, you could even say, What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about why you're doing so well? And another thing that we, we talked about Thursday is this is such a simple one. I I I I saw this even when I was in some of the most secular places. I remember Sarah and I were uh 
which island? We are some Greek island, um, which is probably where all the satanic people. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's literally known for this. And um, and we just ask, could we pray for you? And who no one prayer? No matter how you hear them, I do all kind of crazy stuff. Simply, kind of, um, is there anything going on in your life that I could pray about? You know, people always have problem. Somebody sick. Somebody want a better job. Somebody just trust them out. Trust me. One thing you know about in this world, people have problems. <laughs> so people great, people want prayer. So, but I just want you guys, and, and, and the reality is you can dive deeper. You don't have to be superficial. You know, after they share that with you, you can go deeper and build a relationship. And you know, one of the ways you can, we talk a lot about care here at Grace Family Church. You know what? One of the ways you can show care, guess what you do? The next time you see them, you say, listen, you know, I'm still praying about that. And follow up. Um, how did that work out? How did your interaction with that manager that was stressed? Are you seeing any re you know, relief? Are you getting any reprieve from, from that illness that we prayed about? They said, wow. Again, guys, I'm not talking about methodology. And I want us to be authentic here. But I'm just showing you there are simple ways we can care for people. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Um, anyway, let me, let me continue. So you see I'm just kind of knocking down all the different fears. You know, when I, when I was in the States, and I know my sister and my mom would appreciate this because they live in the States. Um, <laughs> I remember one of the things people generally didn't like talking about was just religion. It's just like, we, we don't like talking about religion here. It's just so contentious. And it, it always leads to heated conversations. Hmm? So guess what? We would just prefer to avoid these kind of discussions. Yeah? Well, let me just tell you something. If you have a love for God and the gospel and the lost, well, you would love that more than fear and conflict. Because you know what? And I'm going to be very straight with you this morning. The gospel can be offensive. Because people don't like when you literally say, you know, these things that you're doing, I, I don't know if that lines up with what the word of God says. And, oh, there's hate speech and this and you're like, when you were telling me about things, it was never a problem. But the moment I start talking about Bible, you know, and you realize it's, it's, al it's always, it's, it's never going to be fair. And, and I want you guys to recognize that. As, as Christians, we, we're always worrying about injustice. Well, the reality is, if, if Jesus was here and him experienced so much injustice, how much more us? I mean, what a man who tell, go around the place telling the truth and healing people and doing good for everybody, and look what we're reaching, them, them kill him. Are we, not, are we not so nice as them say? We're not so nice. This... <laughs> So, why do you think we should just have everything hunky-dory? Anyway, I'm going to tell you one that I've seen. I've even heard it here in this church, another kind of fear, where people say, listen, you know, I've, listen, you know, I have a past. I have a past, and I, I just got saved. Or they may say, Shalon, I, I still struggle. I still struggle with certain things, and because of that, I don't really feel like I should share. I feel like I'm being a hypocrite. If I share the gospel. Hmm? So your identity is in Christ. Right? You realize that, right? The Bible says he who has what? Begun. 
a good work in who? You. Will bring it to completion. Philippians 1.6 The Bible says that what? Jesus is what? The founder and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12 verse 2 So why is it that you are placing your identity in your past and not in Christ who you are now? No excuse. <laughs> you know, as I think about grace from the church, I know everybody going perk up. No, when you hear what I'm going to touch on. And you hear about the fact that we believe in the doctrine of election. Mm, everybody, everybody await now. Or the predestination of believers. When we wake up, then why do we actively promote and participate in evangelism. My wife said she wanted me especially to tackle that to tackle that this morning. So let me tell you. The doctrine of predestination is the belief that God has chosen from eternity those who He will bring to Himself. But this does not contradict or negate the many reasons we have to evangelize. So, first of all, I've already covered Matthew 28, verses 18 through to 20, where Jesus commands all believers, all, not some, all believers, to evangelize and to make disciples, which is what? The Great Commission. So, therefore, obedience to Jesus' commands is sufficient basis for us to evangelize alone. So if I just said that alone, that this, this argument done as we say in Jamaica. But I'm going to give you several more. Secondly, while we believe in predestination, we also believe that God uses means to achieve his ends. In this case, the preaching of the gospel is the means God uses to bring his elect to salvation. Now, you may say, all right, that sounds good, but I need to see a scripture. All right, everybody, turn in your Bibles to Acts 18, 9-10. I, I will wait because I know, as I said, my wife said, I must touch this, so I know this is a hot topic. So may I wait? She, Sarah, the boss, you know, you never know that. Acts 18, 9-10. You guys are there? Alright, uh, some of you guys are going there. Uh, one of the things I want you guys... Uh, uh, so the context of this is that, you know, Paul is doing his missionary work and he's having a hardship. He's there for quite some time. And you know, you know, anybody who has been on the mission field some, for some time, you really want to see people start get converted and along the journey to discipleship. You know, you want to eventually start baptize people like what we want is next Sunday, right? And God in his kindness gives him this. That's why I want you to understand the context. Because if you don't understand the context, then you won't understand how important this scripture is. So just look how kind God is to Paul. So let's read this here. And the Lord said to Paul, one night in a vision, 
do not be afraid but go on speaking go on sharing the gospel go on evangelizing go on trying to make disciples and do not be silent thank you god for your encouragement do you know when you work on some co-worker and some people and you just say boy will this ever materialize this is the encouragement go on and you know and then he says what for i am with you and no one will attack you to harm you now here is a part he's in this place he's evangelizing and guess what god says listen i have many what i have many in this city who are my people he's saying listen the word that you're doing is going to bear fruit because i have many God chose these people before the foundations of the world in this city where this Paul is having this hard time and needs this encouragement and God shows him that evangelism predestination many people say boy but Sheldon it's here it's both are at work can't get no clearer third we believe sharing the gospel is seen as an act of love towards others. I've said this repeatedly in the sermon before. When we share this, we're showing love to the lost. So that's why, even though we affirm predestination, why we have to share. Fourthly, we believe as the gospel is being proclaimed, God's grace and mercy are displayed. Praise God leading people to worship and glorify him listen this is good news you know just think about it if jesus never come in you know what we would be on all of us would be on this wonderful roller coaster to hell because that's how life is you know when you're on the when you're on this world everything nice and down there you, you're drinking up sin and everything and you realize you're going down to this place but i thank god I thank God for the good news that we're not headed there. Fifth, you know, I, I spoke earlier about this idea of evangelism being a duty. And in many respects, it's also a spiritual discipline that helps believers to grow in their faith. You know, it helps you to understand theology better and to develop a love for God and for people. As I said, just think about it. I remember just going with people and as they evangelize, I'm like, Oh, that's why when Paul said this is connected to that and and I realized wow by just even being in in the presence of all the brothers and people sharing the gospel I started to understand the gospel so much better and you know hear people tell you these things you know normally it's just go anyway I think you've gotten point altogether you would have seen that listen we have an inexcusable duty to evangelize. So let me just jump to my second point. I think I took too long there. All right. So my second point simply is we, uh, we have blessings when we evangelize. That sounds good, right? In the last part of verse 15, it says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Here the Apostle Paul is quoting Isaiah 52 verse 7. So I know many people when you when you listen to messages they like to have a picture. So I want what I want you to know is 
is to picture in ancient times message, messages were often delivered by runners who would travel on what? them ten toe turbo them what? them foot so the sight of a messenger's feet that's why I want you guys to look in your Bibles and as I said check with me in your Bibles we're at verse 15 the, the last part there when you see beauty, the beauty of the feet, you wonder what Paul talking about. Well, this is why. Because the sight of a messenger's feet. Just imagine, coming over the hills. Just think of it, see the hills there. And you're on the other side. And as you see the person's foot coming over, you know what? News are come. It's a sign of news arriving. If the news was good, then the arrival of the messenger would have been it, it, would, it would be so welcoming and it would be a beautiful sight. And guess what? Paul was one such messenger. Paul, remember? Paul went to all of these places. Right? So just think about Paul as you think about this. So in the context then of Romans 10, 15 and, and the gospel, the good news being delivered. Listen, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Listen, no harder bread than chiffon. I like chiffon. I don't love anchor butter, but I love margarine. Nothing, no beef pot, no tasty patty or whatever. Nothing so good. No, no, no jerk chicken so good. No oxtail, whatever. The best news of all. The best thing, best news of all. Me the message of salvation of Jesus Christ. Mm. Just think about that. The beautiful feet of those who bring the good news. Mm. It, it, it represents the importance, the, the welcoming nature of the gospel. Just think about the message of, of the gospel. Think about it. Those who bring the gospel are bringing what? A message of hope. I'm sure, do you think people need hope? A message of hope, a message of, of redemption, a message of eternal life. Which is a cause of great joy and celebration. Hence, they're bringing blessings. Have you guys ever thought of it that way? So, therefore, the beauty of the feet. Look on your look on your photo right now. The beauty. <laughs> the beauty. Them yeah, them thing here. Yeah? We'll make a move from point A to point B. The beauty of the feet therefore refers to the carrying of the gospel message. So will you guys use your feet to carry the gospel message to places? Therefore, those who share this message are seen as beautiful for the role that they play in what? In spreading this joyous news. Now, I did say that we would delve a bit deeper in discipleship. So let's make it clear that, listen, the goal, the goal for evangelism based on what Jesus taught us, is making disciples. Therefore, just as how Jesus prayed and asked God to help him to select and teach and train up disciples, we need to be thinking along those lines. The reality is that we can learn much from the many interactions that Jesus had with unbelievers. And I believe Joel and Sean, see, see what I did there? Kind of threw it in them, eh? I believe Joel and Sean will cover that <laughs> in their sermon. You see what I did there? Mm -hmm. 
However, my objective in this message was to lay a foundation. Come on, that's what you know, lay a foundation for evangelism and the discipleship that Joel and Sean will develop. Praise God. <laughs> so, you know, so while we are trying to evangelize to the, the masses or a few, which is important, you know, one of the things we need to do also is to select a few. Select a few persons to make disciples. Wow. I know some of you that cringe when I say that. You know, you think, oh, that's daunting. That sounds daunting. But all in all, what I mean is baby steps. Baby steps. We invite. We invite and accommodate people in our lives. Baby steps. Who we are seeking to mentor by incorporating them in what we do and they will see how we behave when things are good and at other times i'm sure you guys know when i say at other times what you mean when we're suffering and when we have challenges and when we're not so good when pastor sheldon not so good and let me see if him going to repent which is why he tell me upon sunday mm. when when him, him talking a little harsh with him children let me see how him behave because i'm right here in him household and i want to see if it if it really goes so away i say Am I being real? Hmm? But, but, but I don't like that. I don't like, you know, I, I have reservations with people coming into my space. Hmm? You do? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think uh, discipleship is something you can do from long distance. So tell me how it's going to work out. Um, I don't think selfishness and Christianity work together. I don't think they work. Think about it. We spend a considerable amount of time with unbelievers in various settings. So we should ask God, who are a few? You hear how easy I'm making it? Who are a few who could assist? Assist to, to, to show them what this wonderful gospel is about and, and to, to, to help them to move from not just conversion, but to move all the way through to being a mature disciple. How can we do that? Well, I guess we can we can make, you know, have some kind of accountability with them in prayer or the word and so forth. I, I won't necessarily list out this, but you guys get the point. Lastly, before I conclude, but I know what many Greens said. Many people look at me, but but we're busy people. Don't you ever think enough? Tell the truth. Only I think that, no? You know, we're so busy. I, I, I don't have time. I don't, I, I don't have time to engage in evangelism, much less discipleship. But listen, you know, this fruit of love, this is the fruit. Let me put it that way. This is the fruit. This is the fruit of love for God, the gospel, the love for the lost and the word. When we see that, so we have to look past that. So, GFC all together, uh, today my sermon demonstrated our God who loved us and made all things. Man, I love how that sounds. All things possible for salvation through the gospel. Compels us. Just think of that. Com something compelling. Compels us to share it so others would believe. 
In closing, let's remember the gospel is what? As Romans 1.16 says, it's the power of God unto salvation. You can't save anybody, but the gospel can. It is the power of God unto salvation. And that's what we carry. We hold in our hands the greatest message of hope, redemption, and life. A message that has changed us and has a power to change the world around us. God has given us the privilege and the responsibility to bring this good news to the lost. We carry with us the beauty of the gospel and we share it. We reflect the love. When we share this, we reflect the love and the grace of God. So you know what? Let's move forward. Let's move forward with courage, knowing that the same Spirit who led Paul and the early disciples leads us today. Let our hearts be burdened for the lost and let our lives reflect the beauty of the gospel we proclaim. And as we step out, see the feet again, as we step out in obedience, may we experience the joy and blessings that come with being bearers of the beautiful news of Jesus Christ. So, GFC, I urge you to embrace this noble calling to be the carriers of good news, to be the bearers of the beautiful feet. Whoa, that sounds like we just create something. Boss, you're the bearers of beautiful feet. Whoa. We can have a club, you know, we call it the club. The bearers of the beautiful feet. People that say, what are you learn? The bear, you know what? We need to have a meme for this. The bearers of the beautiful feet. But let's pray for God's wisdom and strength to fulfill this great commission. Let's pray for the last that their hearts may be open and receptive. And may our love for God and His Word inspire and motivate us to evangelize and disciple fervently and faithfully. Amen. Amen. You have just listened to a message by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.